0: on today's episode we sit down with eric eckern who is a phenomenal human being and a key player on team happiness eric is a father of three and has been married for 10 years and he has applied play theory in the workplace in profound ways and i'm so excited for you to hear our conversation today eric is currently the director of marketing analytics in his role And he has some awesome stories that we dive into about how to apply play theory in high stress situations, in team settings, and in ways that help communication and positive cultures flourish. It is an awesome conversation. So buckle up, because here we go. Welcome to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. I am so excited because today I have a dear friend, uh... Eric Eckern, who is joining us. And he has been, this has been a long time coming, actually. Ever since we started the podcast, we've been wanting to have you on. And he's just an incredible human. He is really passionate about principles of truth. And he has taken play theory and applied it profoundly in his life. And we're going to talk a lot about how he's applied that in a professional setting. In his personal life, and he just has a lot to, to add there. And as you heard in the bio, um, a lot of great experience and insights there. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this uh, this chance to talk with you.
0: Oh man, well, I want to just dive into uh, the conversation here because there's so much we can talk about. Um, First off, I just want to get a little, a little background maybe on, let's, let's talk about you professionally and personally, and just give us kind of the high level of, of where you're at in life, um, you know, a little bit about your family, and then let's talk about your, your profession and your career, and then we'll kind of dive into
1: that. So I, I live with my family in South Jordan, uh, Utah. Uh, we've been here for a couple of years now. I, I met my wife um, when we were in school. And we got married, uh, had our first son uh, the, the last week of school. I left, had finals, uh, left the hospital, take the last final. And uh, I got my first job with Thomas Arts. I started my, uh, as an intern, I was doing uh, an account coordinator for, for Zions Bank. You know, I had more kids, moved uh, across the country to Washington, D.C., Uh, to support more clients still with Thomas Arts and then uh, we were able to move back and uh, as we had our third kid so we could be by our family so I've been married 10 years three kids it's good it's a good time
0: oh and I'm so excited to dive into the the familial applications of play theory for sure at 10 years under the belt congratulations by the way that's a major thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, it
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> ten years. We just celebrated uh, five, so we are we are halfway there. But uh, very cool stuff. So um, you're working at an ad agency. You, you've got a beautiful little family. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard ad agencies can be a little intense in terms of you know the environment you're in and you know maybe maybe the hours. Um, so I guess, first off, is, is there any truth to that? And if so, to what extent is, is that kind of a demanding professional environment?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what you've said is, is exactly true. It's you're, you're on the hook for your clients. Uh, so if they need something, um, you're reacting to it right away. Uh, deadlines are usually pretty crazy. They come fast. Just, we're waiting on people to make decisions. But as soon as that decision is made, uh, we need to execute. And so it's, it's, you're on all the time, you're, you're working long hours, you're, you can't really push deadlines. And so uh, if you haven't scoped the project appropriately, you have to deal with that really demanding, really hard. And a lot of times it all falls down onto maybe one or two people who are working really late at night to get this over the finish line. Um, and it, it's, it can be exhausting for sure.
0: So I have a few friends that work in ad agencies and they have shared exactly what you just shared, that it's, you know, especially with these, these clients that you have and, and you are just, like you said, you're on the hook and the pressure, especially as those deadlines get closer, like you said, is, uh, is immense, right? And the other thing too is you're working with a lot of other people. How many people uh, on average are you kind of coordinating with uh, on any given
1: project? Uh, you know, on a small project, that's probably about five people, but most of the time we're trying to coordinate things across 12, 15 people on different departments, the strategy team, a media team, uh, the account team creatives, uh, it depends, you know, and, and there, you'll have several representatives from each of those places all trying to help with whatever this meeting is, or this proposal is, or whatever is going on. It's, it can be quite a few.
0: Wow. Okay. And this is good for everyone tuning in, you know, we're talking about an ad agency and it, you know, happens to be a demanding role, but this applies to anyone in any role or any organization. Um, Cause the truth is you feel the pressure no matter what. And while some roles you could say are, are higher pressure than others, we all feel this pressure uh, professionally and, you know, just in our personal lives. I, think one of the most demanding jobs is a stay-at-home parent and so uh, don't tune out just because you you may not be in the workforce or you don't feel like you have a high pressure role because what we're going to talk about here and and the value that Eric's going to add in in kind of managing that from a play theory perspective and in a culture perspective is very key and, and very important so we have kind of these high demand um you know, situations, and you're working with a bunch of other people. So what are, first, I kind of want to set up some of the, the obstacles, right, for you being successful in your role. And then I want to dive into play theory, and really how the principles help you, you know, create that unity and overcome the obstacles. And so tell me about, you know, when you get a project, especially like a, a bigger project for a, a high profile client, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure, um, especially in regards to when you are working with others on the team, you know, what are some of the things that go wrong? What are some of the, the headaches that you encounter through that process?
1: Sure. Well, the, the, the first one and always the biggest one is, is trying to interpret what the client wants, right? They'll say something. And if you take exactly what they say and execute exactly on that, you're probably gonna be wrong. Um, there's, there's the unasked questions that you need to try and figure out. Um, and, and, then, and so you're trying to add on to or figure out really what they really need. The next one though is, is then the roadblocks you run into as you're doing it, where if everything worked perfectly, your data was just right, um, you, you ran into no you know, roadblocks, great, but you know, things take longer than you, you think they might take uh, you go down this path in terms of let, let's say you're trying to find a, the right target audience. And so you have the data that you got from them and you you start analyzing it and you realize, you know, you're not finding any significant relationships between the data points that they provided you. So what do you do from there? Where do you go? The, the ask now is something that we can't do. Uh, and, and so, you know, things that we can't plan on or, or, or don't know, or don't expect those come up on, on, all sorts of projects. Um
0: wow. and, yeah. and just to pause you real quick there. So just to make sure um we're we're understanding that's like so the client's telling you, they're saying, Okay, this is what we want you to do. Here's the data that we think supports that ask and that need. And now you're looking at it and it's it's not even close. <laughs> and so Oh, what sure, ask, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. So just to be clear on that, um, so, so that's great. I want to kind of go back through it and work through each one of these, but um, go ahead and keep,
1: keep sharing. Um, well, and then it's just, uh, you, you know, we'll, we'll put together kind of the, the first look at what we're trying to do. And we'll present that to an internal group before we take it to the clients and then they're going to start poking holes in everything that you're presenting saying, well, this isn't good enough or that doesn't make any sense or this is too obvious um, it, there's a lot of criticism that you can get with that first internal review. Uh, and it always, it, it always feels like to me, they're surprised that we're putting this in front of them where this is our <laughs> first draft. This is the first thing we're looking at it, and we're trying to collaborate here. Um, and and it, it seems like people are really ex- uh, just ready to more tear it down than try to help us move toward the next draft, which would be what's more client ready. Um, so that, that's one is always really challenging is that, that internal review from, you know, kind of the, the cross-functional team. Awesome. So we have kind of that communication
0: with the client. There's, you know, kind of that, um, executing on their needs and helping them understand what the real value add can be. Mm-hmm. And, and then kind of that feedback piece, you know, internally amongst yourselves. Is that fair? That's right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of break this down um, because I think, again, we're talking about your role and and that environment, but these are things we can all relate to. And so communication, anytime two individuals are are talking, we are communicating. So help me understand how has play theory and specifically what principles really benefited you in that communication process with the client and and really making sure the expectations are are aligned and that you're going to add value for them.
1: The first one, the being present, right, is key in in that moment for sure where, and especially in an agency where you're multitasking and people, you know, pride themselves on doing lots of things all at the same time. In these (laughs) client meetings, um, turning that down and being fully attentive to what the client is asking um, has been really important in terms of not only understanding what they're asking but what they're not asking. And I think by being present in in those moments, we're able to clarify in the meeting and not afterward trying to interpret or figure it out, we can ask these follow-up questions. So what you're saying is this, and okay, so that means then we could also look at this or we could add by doing this. And so we've now automatically opened up some more opportunities for ourselves in terms of how we execute on this project, right? Where they're being tactical with, I need this, this, and this, by being present, listening, and being aware of exactly what they're, they're wanting, but trying to really roll it up to what is the problem they're solving, um, we're able to, to push this project forward and really help that, that portion of the project where a lot of times there can be miscommunication. And so being present in the meeting and not relying on someone else who's taking notes in the meeting or something like that, I think has really helped, um, helped us really understand what they're doing. and. And the clients, they recognize that. They, they, I think a lot of times we do get credit where where Tom Sarts understands what we're looking for. They know what we want. And a lot of it is that strategy of being fully attentive and, and, uh, and aware of what's going on just in that first ask.
0: Oh, that, and that's huge. And I'm so glad you brought that up because reading between the lines is a really important thing to do, especially when you are trying to help someone solve a problem. And so I right. love that you brought that up, but you can't do that unless you're being present and eliminating that distraction. And I know, especially in a, in a more chaotic environment, especially a professionally chaotic environment or, or, uh, you know, high stress, high pressure environment. It's really easy. Like you said, to multitask and, you know, people we're so weird. We almost wear that as like a badge of honor, right? Like right. Yeah, how many totally. things can I do at once? And it's like, no, that's, that's that's taking you out of the moment and you're not going to be there to to identify those, like you said, the underlying need and and what they're really wanting. They might be saying one thing, but mm-hmm. uh, deep down, it's it, there's a totally different issue at stake. And um, you have to accept and build and you have to go out of your comfort zone and do all that. But you can't do any of that unless you're present. And so I love that you brought that in. That's awesome. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts before we go to the next one?
1: Um, I I think the one other item too, I would add to that is the idea of being open to learn or um, where, you know, a lot of times when we come in, we are experts in the field that we're working on, right? We, you know, we know what the right solution might be or could be, but with our clients, they are also smart people, and so not being, um, coming into the room or coming into this meeting to be the smartest person in the room allows us to have an open mind, have humility in that conversation. And, and, you know, clients like to be smart and feel smart. Everyone likes to feel smart. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and so in terms of this, this opportunity for relationship building, which is really the, which is key toward having a good outcome in this project at the end if if they feel smart, they feel elevated, um, and and like you understand them, then you're gonna be you're gonna be great going forward. But you coming in to try and dominate this conversation or seem like you are so smart and and so much better than this other person, um, it just really destroys that opportunity right out of the gate.
0: And you're talking about look outward, right? This is the epitome of of look outward, which is. Don't go into the room like you said, wanting to be the smartest person in the room. That's that right there. Oh, if you get nothing out of this conversation, I think that nugget alone is worth uh, you know plastering on your wall because the second you it becomes inwardly focused and you're wanting the the status and the prestige, uh, then they feel that your client feels that your spouse feels that your children, your friends. That, that energy is is very off-putting and uh, will, will greatly diminish your happiness. We're all about the happiness playbook, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how to be happy. And so uh, that's a great way to not be happy. So I'm glad that you brought that in as well. And, you know, this is kind of a great segue into the, the second point you mentioned, which is when you do get an ask from a client, you know, maybe you were present and you're trying to coach them, but then they still come out and they say, hey, you're going you're gonna to do this for us and here's why. And then you kind of, you realize, ooh, if we go that route, there's going to be disappointment.
1: And so how do you manage those situations? What principles do you use? Really that opportunity of accepting and building, right? Where it, if, if we know what we're trying to do and we know what the objective is moving forward, maybe this one strategy of execution doesn't work. Right, and, and that's the blocker, but being able to, to take a step back and understand, well, what is it we're trying to do? How do we say yes to that? And what can we do to add to it? And, and, and how do we pivot on that mm-hmm. in, in terms of, uh, again, tying it back to that, that, that macro problem, even if this execution of it didn't work and, it, and it's, and it's going to go sideways because we're tied to this, we, and, and we can kind of see the objective of this other side, it doesn't even have to say, well, we'll scrap that completely. Um, let's take that, let's enrich it with this other data or uh, let's pull in this other, you know, let, let's look at it with through, through a different methodology or, or something like that. And if we do that, then we might get to that same outcome you're looking for. And, and so it's this opportunity to collaborate and build on what was already set up as you know, this, this way forward and so even if we're just, you know, taking maybe a step back and, and pivoting a little, we're we're not really just scrapping the whole thing from the beginning. And we're just saying, you know what, this will work as long as we add to it in this way. And, and so really trying to, to build from there.
0: And, and that's so important because if you head down a direction that ends up being the wrong direction, if you just stop there, then it is, it's all for naught. And you do lose out. I mean, it, at that point, you could say that was a waste of time. But if you accept that and, and build on it, you're now moving forward with lessons learned and you know what didn't work. And, and that's where the magic of accept and build, I think, really comes in, especially in a professional setting where you're going back and forth with, uh, with a client or a customer who's, who's you know, paying you good money and wanting uh, results. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to help the client be patient through that process. And I'm sure you've uh, probably experienced that. I know I have in my professional life. Um, And I guess that's where the look outward piece comes into play is a safety net, right? For the relationship. But um, I love what you're saying here and how important it is to no matter what happens to just kind of embrace that. You know, learn from whatever direction you went that was the wrong way, and then move forward in a new direction where you can add value. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so the third thing you mentioned was kind of this idea of internal feedback, and and that can be hard. We actually on our last episode, this Star Wars special, not mm-hmm. to be confused with the Star Wars Christmas special, totally different <laughs> quality of program. <laughs> All the Star Wars nerds are laughing right now. Um, but we talked about, um, you know, Anakin has this relationship with Obi-Wan in Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, where he's, he's just kind of feeling this angst against Obi-Wan for the feedback he's getting. And, and so we kind of touch on that. Anyway, I digress. Let's talk about you. And um, I want to know how you go about those scenarios and what principles you apply
1: to navigate that. You know, I'm, I'm going to digress actually and tell a story from, Please, from maybe man. a while ago. Um, When I was first in my job and I was working with these people, I would get feedback that was super negative and I'd come back to my desk almost fuming where it's just like, he doesn't know, they don't understand, right? Like I'm, I'm putting out something that's really good. This chart is easy to read. He's just not getting it and just putting all of the focus on this other person instead of myself. My supervisor at the time, helped me reframe that situation And it was when these principles became really a a good focus for me again. And I see, oh, I see how these can apply in this situation. And looking at it from his perspective, he's going to have to go and talk to the client. He has to present this chart. And if he doesn't understand it, he's not going to feel smart. He's not going to look good in front of the client. And, And so it's this idea that my job is to make other people look good and uh, as soon as I understood that I could take that feedback, even if it was given negatively, um, it's coming from their own insecurity and their own fear that I'm not going to look good in front of the client. And that's fine. And I, and that's a valid fear. Um, you know, they need to maintain that relationship. They're maintaining, you know, it's business, it's money. Uh, if we lose the client, that's not good. And those are all the thoughts that they have. And so when they're looking at my chart and they're saying, uh, this isn't clear, um, uh, I don't need to take that so personally. <laughs> and, uh, and so the idea of if my job is to make someone else look good, and they have negative feedback about this, or they want that change, that's valid feedback. And and so I can take that in. And now let's, okay, let's try and make this presentation a little clearer. Or, um, you know, let's maybe do some training or, or whatever it may be. But it's, it's completely valid. And and that approach to every meeting, though, has, has I feel like, really changed the collaborative culture and connection that, that, that my team has helped spread throughout the agency, where it's, it, it doesn't need to be this point of friction, uh, but it really can be this collaboration point where um, we, we really say yes to what people are, are, are offering up in terms of Feedback, you know, hey, this doesn't look, this isn't, I'm not understanding this. Can you walk me through that again? Oh, yeah, that's good feedback. Let's figure out what part's not not making sense to you. Really helping them get to feel comfortable, feel like they're participating in the development of this, and that they're not pushing against a force that's going to fight them on everything has really changed this dynamic um, in on these internal teams where we all ultimately have the same objective, but it's just we all have maybe our own ideas of what we think is the best way forward. Um, by looking outward and really letting someone else, um, fo- or focusing on kind of this this generous look at other people, letting them say, "You can have a good idea. Um, your idea is could be better than my idea." Um, and you know, it's not that we have to roll over and let everyone else direct our lives. But it's a matter of of building on what they're offering and not trying to just defend what they have without me having to change anything. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it, it's a lot of work over several years to kind of get to a really positive place. But I I think we in the agency we've made a big difference by um, taking that approach to all of our all of our projects.
0: That is, you shared so many awesome things, and you know we don't have. frankly, we don't have enough time to go through all of them, unfortunately, but (laughs) I love that you said, you know, that validation piece and, and really you're mentioning let go and play too, in a huge way here, right. Which is big on receiving feedback and let leaving your ego at the door. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do. Um, you kind of alluded to this idea of assuming the good intentions of those giving the feedback, which is such a important mindset shift. Because like you said, the collective goal is to add value for your customers in the business. And getting that constructive feedback is a way for them to help you do that better. And that's, you know, the what and the why of everyone is the same, the how, you know, we might have different ideas, like you said, of of how to get there. But if you can leave your ego at the door, assume good intentions and validate people as that feedback comes, you're, you're going to that's going to shift the culture. And this is I, I really want to get into this, too, because you've alluded to this um, this cultural shift that's taken place since you've been there and since you've been able to play a role in implementing some of these principles in your team and how that's kind of spread So I kind of want to know a little more there, if you could, um, if you could, you know, divulge a little bit more, expound on that kind of what were the things, and and we've talked about all of them, right? All of these things add up and make a difference on the culture, but for anyone listening who might be in a, a team setting, that's maybe, maybe not functioning properly, or maybe it's a little toxic and they're really curious to know how they can be the catalyst for some of that positive cultural change i want you to expound on that a little
1: yeah uh you know when i when i first started out i was on a team that had a pretty i mean toxic is the perfect way to put it it was a toxic culture where people were afraid to say what they thought um, the you you got put down for suggesting something different than what the client had asked uh you i mean i remember when my boss's boss one time came in and told me to never talk to a client the way I just did when really all I had done was try to correct and, and uh, they were trying to clarify an issue and trying to understand what was going on and saying, hey, it looks like you need one version of this HTML file uh, and that someone on your team then will version it 16 ways. And uh, they said, no, we need 16 versions. I said, okay. So I sent, we, we built and made 16 versions and then on the email chain says thanks, we needed one. We in, and we'll, we'll update it with the current you know, copy and the current colors. We just needed the template. Okay, so. <laughs> so they, but they were really
0: wanting what you originally had proposed.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's like, but because of how internally that was handled, um, there's just so much fear in terms of trying to get to that end result. This was a really small example but it was happening on big projects. Uh, and at this point, you know, I wasn't you know, a big player on the team and you know, wasn't managing a team or anything. But it just it, it really started at that top, at, at the top there and, and trickles down in terms of this, this team culture and this collaborative culture and open being open in this culture. Getting to this place here, um, it, it did involve you know, some leadership change, right? Some people, you know, in the workplace, people come and go. It, the opportunity is finding the, what I could control. Uh, and there was a, one year in, in particular where the technical team that I was on, it was like a bunch of people left at the same time, just this, that hard burnout of, I can't take it anymore. And we all end up meeting with like the president of the agency to kind of talk through how our year went. And that was the year when I, I had had that, you know, Um, advice from my supervisor in terms of thinking about this other person and you know other advice was you know people don't know what sort of reaction they're going to get when they come and talk to you and and it's like sometimes I'm really easy to work with sometimes I wasn't and so this idea of being consistent consistently looking outward um, that really kind of shaped that whole year for me so while everyone around me was having a hard time I had dedicated uh, time parts of my day to go around talk to people and t- collaborate with them, show them what I was working on, get their feedback. So it wasn't even just in those big meetings or uh, at those points, but it was really trying to foster relationships and building that uh, kind of trying to improve the perception of what it was like to work with me and the technical team and to say, hey, you know, we're gonna listen to you. We're not gonna push back on you. We're trying to kind of build these bridges. And, and so that idea of us not having to be the smartest people or be, you have to listen to us. If you don't take our ideas, then we're gonna throw our arms up in the air and leave the room, right? Like, right. which is a thing that happened <laughs> not you know, that, that year, right? Where it's just, uh, and so it was, it, it took one, one-on-one work with people, um, but applying these principles. And so then as the, you know, those people, that, those people left and we brought more people on, um, it was the opportunity to establish those principles where I saw them working and say, this is, we're not gonna be the smartest people in the room. We're gonna reach out and collaborate. This is going to be just as important to your job as the charts and the presentations that you're building is building these relationships and making other people look good. That's your job. And if you're doing that, that's great. And and Um, to understand,
0: where you're at and and kind of pushing for these changes do you have a team is this like you like a like a top down thing or is this peers that you're kind of establishing this with or to to superiors help me understand kind of where you fit
1: so the first i mean at first it was really just peers right yeah um then as people cycled out and we hired more people in that was my first opportunity to have uh more of a mentorship role where i wasn't their direct supervisor but they were you know, junior on the team and I was training them.
0: Okay, and,
1: nice. and so that was kind of the first step there. And then because of the way that our little team was working, it did actually open up more opportunities for me professionally in terms of management opportunities and, and team leadership. Um, when uh, the team continued to grow as we, you know, grew more relationships, one more clients, uh, we had analytics only clients, which is not usual for an ad agency, And it opened the door for us to do, you know, more media buying or creative work or things like that. And, but bringing in that work, we bring in more people and grow the team and, and the way the whole kind of landscape of marketing has been changing and and been involving data more and more and more, we become more and more and more important to the agency. But because of all all of this kind of collaboration um, and, you know, this play theory principles, uh, inadvertently being put in where, you know, it, 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 it's, um, rather than kind of having that be egocentric, it really was service centric. And, and, uh, and so we continue to grow the team, um, where, where now I have, I think nine, uh, nine people on my team, we're, we're trying to hire a 10th person right now, actually. And it's, wow. and I, I, I presented this to my new supervisor, right. Where, where my boss a few years ago left and and that's when I was uh, promoted to director and he had us put together our team plans. And and this is where I actually formalized uh, the play theory principles into a team plan where I have it written in a document. And uh, I presented this to him and this, but going into this toxic work culture, he told me to watch out. He said, be careful with that because people will take advantage of that. And I remember nice. walking away from that meeting being, uh, just trying to think about it and, and, and you know, what's, what's the risk? And if I look at that point in my career, where had those principles gotten me? And they had elevated my career to this place where I had this position of influence within a mid-sized agency. Um, I had people on my team, I was supervising and mentoring and so the thing that's at risk is someone else could get credit for the work that I'm doing or for the good ideas I might have or whatever's going on there. We move forward with those principles anyway. And <laughs> uh, nice. and it's been great it, 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 in terms of the stress at work or the, the politics of this person, these internal teams treating them like they're the enemy it really creates a lot of negative energy, this un- uncertainty on this, your status in the agency or how the agency is doing overall. But if you remove that you know, political play and you're just there to, to make other people look good, you have a lot of confidence in terms of where you stand day to day. Even these people who, who would take advantage of your ideas right? And say, you know, they present it as their own. And, you know, even though you put in all this work or you and your team put in all this hard work and now the strategy team gets credit for this new client and this new win, they got, they know how they got there and they got there with collaboration with you or your team. And the next time a project comes around, they still come to us and they still ask us for questions. We still have work. We're not getting, you know, our team's not getting cut or anything like that because we're bringing value And so that credit uh, or those things that really do feed the ego really aren't adding the the work value that I think a lot of us think that they do or fear that they do. When really taking this other approach, it just really has opened a lot of doors and, and created more opportunities versus trying to take all credit for every good idea I ever had.
0: When you are looking inward, you are applying the law of diminishing returns. Nothing flourishes without the outward focus. And that for sure applies, as we heard uh, you share just now, in a team setting. So I just want to appreciate what, what we just heard you share with us here for a second. So you went at the peer level, you started applying these play theory principles, leaving your ego at the door, let go and play, looking outward, accepting and building being present, all that. And then you started getting some, some mentor like relationships and opportunities and you applied it there. Then you get, you become a manager, you have a team. And then it's, I mean, it is game over. Then it's like, you know, 10, zero team happiness. Right. Uh, Cause then you're calling the shots and now, you know, and, and against the, the council of the higher up, you went ahead and you baked play theory into your, your team strategy. Am I capturing yeah. that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. Slow clap, (laughs) man.
0: That's amazing. And and it's so cool to see because I remember, you know, you and I go way back. I don't know if we we didn't mention this yet, but Eric and I, you know, way back in, in, um, you know, high school, we kind of first stumbled upon these principles. You know, there there was a lot of fun and application and relationships built there. But just now here we are, you know, years later. And to see you just so so committed to implementing them and to see and hear about the results and the impact that's having um, is just so cool. And, you know, we got, we got a strong player here on team happiness with, with Eric Eckern. And I'm so glad to have had this conversation with you because these are, these are very good principles. Two quick things I want to touch on that you shared is the, the environment you described when you came in, the toxic environment, it was not a safe environment for people to explore and and you know think outside of the box right and and so just a, a nugget here that i'm extracting from your story and everything you shared is everything you can do to create a safe environment for others to to feel safe in asking questions exploring going outside of their comfort zone that is really going to have a huge impact on the culture and really help you get momentum in the right direction. And so I love that you shared that because we we've that we've all experienced that where you've go into an environment that doesn't feel safe to either be right. yourself, to you know, question things, you just you just want to fall in line and and kind of toe the line and and just play it safe because you feel like the stakes are high. And and especially professionally speaking, we can feel that a lot where the stakes are very high. You know, if you are you feel your job's at stake or a promotion's at stake, you're not going to um, tap into that creative, courageous energy um, that really moves the needle and, and, and right. helps you expand and grow. And so I, I love that you brought that in. Man, Eric, thank you so much. Uh, we've already gotten so much out of this conversation and, and I really appreciate, we don't always take the time, to apply these principles in in our professional lives. And so I appreciate this conversation where we're able to really dive deep and do that. And um, yeah, we didn't even get to any of the, you know, the the marriage or, or parenting stuff, but there was so much to cover there. We'll have to have you back on, I guess. Um, so uh the the last question that we ask all of our guests on the Happiness Playbook is what is one pro tip? That we can give our listeners on how to apply the principles of play theory in their lives and experience happiness more fully
1: it it really is courage right it's it the it takes looking looking out where letting things go is scary right and but applying that taking that first step out working one-on-one with people even as long as you take that first step out take the courage to, to to be open and to to not know things, right? And to not be the smartest person, that takes courage, and that's a good quality. and And it and people appreciate that. Uh, and so the, the thing you're f- afraid of of people maybe thinking you're you're not smart or that you maybe don't deserve this job or whatever it is, um, they appreciate people asking questions. They appreciate people um, looking outward and trying to make you look, make someone else look better. Um, and so, you know, you can overcome that fear and, and, and take, take courage.
0: I love it. Be brave, be bold in your love. You know, one of my favorite lines from the live action Cinderella is have courage and be kind. I think that kind of sums up what you're, what you're saying here. (laughs) Eric, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on everyone. We had the pleasure of sitting down with one of team Happiness's star players. One of the MVPs here. So grateful that you took the time out of your schedule to add this value. That was really rich, deep conversation. So fun to talk with somebody who really gets it and um, has applied it. So thanks again, man. I really appreciate you um,
1: taking the time to do this. You know, Neil, I'm really impressed with you and everything that you're doing here. You know, I, I really since high school until now, like this is it. it really has mattered, and uh, you know, through some of my darkest periods, even it's these principles that have helped. And you know, in terms of like positive psychology and and other things that I dabbled in in college, but it's like you, we're always trying to figure out how can I be happy, right? How can I be better? And uh, and it, it's hard, right. To figure those things out for, for some reason, life takes us a different way than what, uh, or help makes us forget this, right. This idea of being like a child and, and being, letting go and play. And that's how we can find happiness. Like it's just really mattered. And, uh, so again, I just really appreciate everything you're doing. If there's anything more I can do to support you or, uh, the happiness playbook or anything that you're doing, just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to do it. I really, I will hold you to that. (laughs) Yeah, please do. No, no, I I mean it. Yes, 100%. Oh boy,
0: that was an awesome conversation. I hope that you got as much out of that as I did. Remember this week to be present. Don't multitask. Pay attention to the person that you're in a meeting with or to your children or whoever you're talking with or, or just with yourself, Um, Let's eliminate some of that distraction in our lives. And don't try to be the smartest person in the room. Leave your ego at the door and go in with the intention to learn. And when it comes to feedback, make sure that you think of the intention behind the feedback. You're on the same team, the how's gonna be different, but the what and the why are the same. So keep that in mind and, of course, be courageous in applying these principles in your daily life. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you might uh, feel like the stakes are really high, but the end result is always going to be stronger relationships, more competence, and better communication. Thank you for tuning in to the Happiness Playbook. Remember that happiness is a skill and life is a team sport, and we are so glad to have you on our team. Catch you next week.